Man, good morning. Um, that was pretty decent. Um, man, so glad to be here this morning and so glad to just um, open this word with you guys. This morning we're going to be in Luke 22. And if you were here last week, you're like, well, we were in Luke 22 last week. And that, that's fine. We'll just do the same thing right again. We'll just go right back into it. Just kidding. Um, this morning... Um, I'm so excited about this word, and I'm so excited about just continuing to preach through this story. Jamie, can you cut this down a little bit? It's just echoey up here. Um, anyway, I'm so excited about going through um, this word with you guys. The past few weeks, and even next week, we, um, we're going to go through the last week of Jesus' life together, and we do that every year leading up to Good Friday. No? Okay, cool. We lead, yeah, man. That's awesome. If you have to ask for it, it's just not as good, so don't, don't worry about it. Uh, I'll just, it'll be fine. I'll show up, and I'll be excited about it. I was hoping that we would be excited about it, because I'm hoping that we're going to show up. So, um, anyway, um, we're moving towards Good Friday, and um, I'm so excited about that. Every year, I'm just getting to come around and celebrate what Jesus has done on the cross. In the past three years, um, we've been doing that. Uh, in the World's Fair Park, or I guess this will be the third year. We've been doing that in the middle of the World's Fair Park, and uh, that's awesome to me because we get to come in the middle of the city uh, full of people that maybe know Jesus. A lot of them probably don't know Jesus, and we get to just lift up the name of Jesus in a way that people are going to hear. And you're like, well, how's that going to happen? Only people that show up are going to know it's not true. See, we're doing it outside. Um, so it's like a captive audience, right? You go outside, and you're going to hear it. So uh, we're taking church beyond the walls where most people won't really show up to a place that's accessible. So anyway, we're going to do that, and I'm excited about that, and that's coming really fast. Um, like, you know, like, what, two weeks from now fast? It's coming. So if you haven't signed up to help with that, there's like a table outside where you can do that. Um, and hint, hint, we need your help. Um, I know that we just kind of sometimes are like, they'll get it. Well, this is a massive thing. And uh, if every person in this room today signed up, we would still need people. So um, this is a massive thing that God's doing, and, and we want you to be involved. So step one is to get involved. Step two is we want you to be praying towards that moment. Um, I'll be honest, if we don't ask God to do something, we're neglecting what God wants to do. And um, this morning, uh, there's so many promises in God's word, ask and you will receive, right? So we want to ask God for big things, and we know that God is the God who says uh, that he does abundantly more than we could ever ask or imagine. So we're going to ask him for really big things, and we're going to keep our eyes open for bigger things. And then part three of that is we want you to be involved in inviting people, because everybody in this room knows people that don't know Jesus. That's true. Um, whether you know they don't know Jesus or not. There's people that don't, and they're surrounding us. And God has this vision for the church, actually left us here for this thing, that we would be involved in that saving work of Christ by inviting people into a relationship with Christ. And this is one way you can do that. So we want to ask you just to be involved in inviting people. Invite those neighbors, friends, family members that won't show up in a place like this, but maybe we'll just go to the park with you. Um, to hear God's word. And then after that, uh, two days later, we're going to celebrate Easter here. Um, and um, I, I love it. love it. That was better. I didn't have to ask for it that time. That was good. Uh, you guys are getting there. Um, 
And um, anyway, we're going to do that at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock to make room. So if everybody shows up at the 9 o'clock, right, and two people show up at the 11 o'clock, that's not quite why we're doing that. We're, A, making kind of some time for you guys. If you're the Easter basket people, uh, you can come to the 11. And if you're the dinner at noon people, you can come to the 9. So it works out. If you're both, you just got to pick one. Um, And uh, anyway, we want you here. But again, we're making space. We're making room. Uh, for people to be here, and people are usually a little more receptive to coming to church around Easter. I don't know why that is, but it's true. So um, again, invite family and friends into this place, and we're just going to trust God that he's going to do what he does, which is save people, and um, we just want to be part of that and invite you to be part of that. So anyway, that's a lot of plug-in information in there, and I know you know that, but I want you to hear it from me because it's important um, that, that we get involved in what God's doing. And uh, anyway, this morning we're going to or continue talking about the last, um, really now, 24 hours of Jesus' life, less than that at this point in time in Luke 22. And at this point in the story in Luke, there's been a lot of stuff that's already happened. He's already rode into the city, kind of the first message that we talked about where he comes down and he enters the city, and it's really called the triumphal entry. But if you think about the fact he's riding on a baby donkey, maybe he doesn't look as triumphant but Jesus is coming into the city and he's saying here here is the Messiah I am the Messiah I'm just not the Messiah that you guys are looking for he's, he didn't come to, to make us rich and he didn't come to make us popular he come to save us and that's what we really needed and he was coming into the city to announce that and the next few days he began teaching in the city he kicked out the money changers from the temple all that stuff happened and what he was really doing is he was being inspected he was allowing the city, Jerusalem, to get an up-close-and-personal look at the Savior to, to see that He is without sin, that He is spotless, that He is this Lamb that's perfect, that's been talked about since, I guess, <laughs> Passover began, right? That He's the Savior they've been looking for. And, and anyway, He comes in, He does all these things, and then we've already talked about the fact that at this moment, He's already washed the disciples' feet at this moment. He's already had this Last Supper or Lord's Supper where He said this is the cup of the new covenant and my blood and this is the my body which is broken for you he's already kind of shown the disciples i'm headed for the cross and then last week we talked about the fact that he predicted peter's denial and today we're going to continue just on this story and it's called um, in my bible the prayer in the garden luke twenty-two, thirty-nine. i know this is a story that most of us have heard probably if you've been around church very long, like every year um, since you've been alive. Uh, <laughs> but this morning, I'm just hoping through the grace of God and through the power of the Spirit that He would just say something new to us. So, um, at this moment, it's about 9 o'clock in the story, 9 p.m., and He's about to leave this dinner where He's changed all these symbols. He says, this is the cup of the new covenant my blood and this is my body which is broken for you he's had this kind of conversation with the disciples and it says in 39 he being jesus went out and where he's going out from is dinner and it says he made his way as usual to the mount of olives now the mount of olives is like more of a hill really and it's a olive orchard and it's about a half mile away from the city so it's not really a long walk and this is where jesus and the disciples have been staying the whole week while he's in the city. He's been staying in this place that we talk about as the Garden of Gethsemane. He's been staying on this olive orchard, and he's been living here with the disciples, kind of spending the night here. It's not an unusual place that he's going to. 
Now think about this. He's just sat down at dinner. He said that this is my body which is broken for you. This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. At this moment, Jesus has already talked kind of graphically, actually, about the cross. He's told the disciples for a long time now, I'm going to die and I'm going to come back. He's, he's been talking about these things, and this is kind of the final moments. And Jesus knows very clearly that he's about to go to the cross. Actually, even at dinner, he said about the people sitting there, one of you guys is going to betray me. And then he goes right back to the place where all of these guys have been staying the whole week, like the most predictable spot, right? Jesus is not running from the cross in these moments. If Jesus was running from the cross, A, you wouldn't have sat down and ate dinner there, right? You'd have been trying to get out of the city. But even after dinner, he goes to the most predictable spot, and he knows one of the guys that's been staying in this spot with him all week is the guy that's going to betray him. And he goes right back to that spot as usual. It says, and the disciples followed him. That's probably a pretty good thing to do if you're a disciple because it just means follower of Jesus. So Jesus went and they went behind him. And it says in 40, when he reached the place. Now the place is the exact spot, like X marks the spot that they've been staying for the whole time. Like this is a pretty big olive orchard. And if you're trying to not get caught or found, maybe you would just even move campsites. But he went to the exact same campsite that Jesus and the 12 had been staying for the entire week. Judas knows exactly where Jesus is going to be. And Jesus has set up everything to make it easy for Judas to find him. It says he went to the place. And when he had reached the place, he told them, the disciples, pray. Now that is a really good idea, by the way. It's not really a mystery that God would look at his followers and say, hey, praying is, is a good idea. If you don't pray, you're missing out on something. I just want you to know that. Jesus, in these moments, commands his disciples to pray. Now, the amazing thing to me is not that he told them to pray, but what he told them to pray for. Notice what he doesn't say is, hey, pray that Judas can't find us. He went to the exact spot that Judas would be looking. He doesn't pray, say, hey, guys, why don't, why don't you pray that God will just pick a different thing? Why don't you pray that none of this is about to happen? He knows he's about to go to the cross. He knows everything that's about to happen. And this is what he tells the disciples to pray for. Pray, sorry, I lost my place, that you may not enter into temptation. Pray that you don't enter into temptation. Anybody else find that kind of weird? Pray that you don't enter into temptation. I don't know much about the Garden of Gethsemane or, or the Mount of Olives. I don't know much about that other than now it's kind of a, a graveyard area. It used to be an olive orchard. Um, but what I do know is it's probably not like the hot spot for partying in Jerusalem. Right? Like, I don't, I don't think there's a bunch of wild things going on in, in the Garden of Gethsemane. I would even bet that the disciples are not throwing some big party at these moments. And Jesus is like, hey, you just kind of keep your head down. Pray that you don't enter into temptation to do any of these wild things. Like, that's not what he's talking about. Jesus says, hey, pray that you don't enter into temptation. And like looking at it, if I was standing there, I probably would have been like, what am I going to be tempted by in the olive orchard, Jesus? Except for maybe gluttony, and I don't like olives, so probably not even that, right? Sorry if you like olives. I don't think you're a bad person. I just think your taste buds are messed up. But he says, pray that you don't enter into temptation. And if I was one of these 11 guys in this moment, I probably would have been like, eh, Jesus, what are, you, what are we going to be tempted by? 
Because Jesus knows something that the disciples are not yet quite in on. He knows that he's about to be betrayed by one of the guys that they would have considered one of their best friends. He knows that they're going to watch Jesus be carried off and tried. He knows that they're going to watch Jesus be beaten and mocked. And then at the end of that, they're going to watch Jesus have nails pierce his flesh. And he's going to be lifted up kind of in front of the world. And they're going to watch Jesus be murdered as he suffocates on his own blood. And we know that story, right? Like we've heard it and it's not like amazing to us, but they're living it. They're not reading it. And in these moments, you'd have to think, like, there's going to be a lot of feelings that come with this. Like, Jesus has said over and over and over again, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. Come back, so don't worry about it, but I'm going to die. And they had no idea. If you've ever read this, like, you, you see that they don't know what's happening. He's, he's told them in such detail. It's, I wonder what I miss that Jesus tells me in this much detail, right? But he's told them in such detail. It's like, how did you miss that? But I guarantee, like, if we'd have been standing there, we would have missed it. Because here's the thing. Like, even with Jesus talking about, I'm going to die, why would it ever, like, trigger in our minds that God's going to die? This is the man that they had proclaimed to be the Messiah. They've left everything and they followed him around and basically been homeless guys for like three and a half years. And some of these guys had some pretty good lives before that. And, and they've given up everything to follow him thinking this is the Messiah. And the Messiah they're looking for is a Messiah that's going to come in. He's going to set up a kingdom. He's going to reign. And they're just going to sit on like little thrones beside his big throne. That's what they're looking for. And that's not at all the plan of God. So when they would have seen all this go down, along with the hurt of, man, I just lost my best friend, I just watched this guy that I care so much about die, comes the confusion, the disappointment, and all these other feelings of fear and doubt that are going to enter the room as they watch Jesus die on a cross, because how can this be the plan of God? How can it be the plan of God that God would hang on a cross? Like, that's, that's an issue, really, that we all should have to, in some way, deal with, right? Like, because we've heard it a million times, but it really seems like a crazy story. The God who breathed out the stars came down, and his way to save the whole world was to die. And these men are living it. And the temptation he's Tell them to pray about is not temptation that you won't eat too many olives. It's this temptation that when everything goes down and life gets crazy and my world's turned upside down in just a few minutes, that I'm not going to take off out the door and run away. Jesus knows clearly what's about to happen, and he knows what these guys are going to experience. And he looks at them here in the garden. He's like, dude, I know you don't know what you're going to be tempted by, but let's just go ahead and start praying that you don't enter into temptation. You don't even know what you need right now as you pray, but just pray, and we'll take care of it. You need to pray that you don't run. Because you're going to think in just a few moments, how can this be the plan of God? How can this happen? Maybe we had the wrong guy. Maybe he's not the Messiah. And there's going to be a lot of big faith questions that hit you in just a minute. And you're going to have to decide, do I really believe this thing or do I want to run? And I've seen people run when it gets hard. And Jesus looks at these 11 guys and he's like, the thing you need right now above everything else is not to like go read the Bible and go get in Bible studies and like do all the songs and wear all the t-shirts. What you got to do right now is you got to pray that you don't enter into temptation because when everything goes down, what I don't want to see is you guys give up and run. So he looks at these guys and he says, pray that you don't enter into temptation. And in 41, it says, Then he, being Jesus, withdrew from them about a stone's throw. And he knelt down and he began to pray. 
Now, I don't know about you when I think about this. Sometimes I've thought like Jesus goes away where they can't see him or Jesus goes away where they can't hear him or like he goes and finds this rock behind a bush on the other side of where they are and he kind of gets away from the disciples. That's not what Jesus is trying to do in these moments. He's not trying to run from the disciples and get away and like be in a secret place. He's actually still within earshot and eyeshot of everything that's about to go down. He's not trying to hide anything from these guys. He's trying to get alone with the Father, but he's not trying to get away from his people is what he's doing in these moments. He, he wants them to be kind of involved in what's about to go down. And you're like, how do you know that? Well, because they were close enough, they heard it, and they could write it down for us. Like God just didn't beam it down. Like this is, this is what they're like, hey, when we were there and we were praying, this is what Jesus was saying. It's not a long story because they slept through a little bit of it, but we get a little bit of what's going on here in these moments because Jesus wasn't trying to get away from these guys. This is kind of going to be a faith-building thing for them as well. And it says he removed or withdrew from them about a stone's throw away, and then it says he knelt down. Can you imagine this? Like Jesus kneeling down in this garden to pray. Can you imagine like the weight as Jesus' knees hit the ground? Have you ever been in one of those situations in your life where like you're just like, I just can't wait to pray. Like I need to get away from people and, and I, need, I need to pray. Like I'm just, I'm going through so much right now and they're trying to talk to me and they're trying to get my attention and I'm not focused on any of that because I'm just in such sorrow right now or such hurt right now or pain right now that I just need to pray. Like I've been there, so I don't know if anybody else has been there, but I've been there. And just, to, just so you know, it doesn't mean I don't love you. I just, I need to talk to God, not you. And and this is what's happening right now with Jesus. And he, he's about to kneel down or bow down. I love this idea before God. Not just stand there and be like, hey. But like actually kneel or bow. It's actually a sign of surrender when you nail down before somebody or submission. And he in these moments, just before he even begins to pray, is already submitting to whatever God is wanting to do. But can you imagine like the weight as Jesus knelt down? He's, he's knowing, he's, he's thinking about, and he's been thinking about everything that's about to happen. Jesus knows in greater detail than anybody else in the story in these moments what he's about to go through. Actually, we've read the story, and Jesus lived the story. So he knows in greater amounts than we do what Jesus is about to go through. I think it's easy for us sometimes to dismiss it. Like, ah, oh, he's God, so it probably didn't hurt that bad. No, he's God in flesh, and it hurt just as bad for him as it would for us. If somebody drove a nail in me, it would have felt like what it felt like for Jesus when somebody drove a nail in him. But the difference is he's not only bearing nails and scars and marks and a crown. He's bearing the weight of the sin of the whole world. Actually, in the Word of God, it says what? He who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in and through Him. Jesus, who has never sinned, who's never experienced one-on-one -on -one sin, He's like heard about it, He knows what it is. He's never experienced it, though, is about to live the sin of the whole world. And that's the weight that's pushing him down in these moments. And his knees hit the ground, knowing everything that's about to happen. And it says, he began to pray. Now, just side note here, if Jesus needs to pray, we need to pray. Jesus is God in the flesh. If God in the flesh needs to talk to God, we in the flesh need to talk to God too. 
Prayer is a powerful thing. And in the last moments of Jesus' life, before he's going to go into all this hurt and pain and sorrow, what's he take time to do? He takes time to pray. And it says he began to pray. And the first thing he says in this prayer is not, hey, if you're there, hey, if you can hear me, hey, if there's anybody out there, hey, hey, man upstairs, hey, dude, God guy. But he, he begins praying the same way he gave us permission to pray. He says, Father, Father. Now, imagine this with me. He's going to the cross. The circumstances in his life are not amazing at this moment, right? Anybody want to sign up that? If you could trade what you had right now for what he went through, like probably none of us are going to make that trade. Also, don't make that trade because you're not going to save anybody. He's about to die. He's about to feel exactly what it feels like to be betrayed. He's going to be tried. He's going to be declared guilty for something he's actually very innocent of. He's going to be beaten. It says beyond the point of recognition. He's going to have nails driven through his body. He's going to be leaned up against you know, the sky and the gravity that he created is going to pull down on his body as he suffocates to death. He's about to feel that. And in those moments, how he starts talking to God is this recognition that, God, you're still who you were yesterday. Father, everything may be horrible today, but you're still dad. Everything may be messed up today, but it doesn't change the character and the DNA of who you are. See, the truth of it is circumstances do not change who God is. Our circumstances don't determine the Father. It doesn't determine His love or His care for us. Our circumstances don't change anything about the DNA of who God is. And Jesus knows that. And He's not praying this just for Him, by the way. Because there's 11 other guys who are about to go through some stuff. And then for the rest of their life, they're going to go through some stuff. Because it doesn't get easier after the resurrection. And some of them, maybe not in the same way, are going to be killed, but they're going to be killed. And Jesus is like, in these moments, here's the response. When everything's falling apart, when, when it looks like your world's flipped upside down and you don't know what to do, here's what we do. We pray and we start out by acknowledging that, God, you are still good. You are still the Father. You still love me. Today may be horrible, but it doesn't change the fact that God loves me. I may be going to the cross, but it doesn't change the fact that he cares about me. I may be about to be killed for something I didn't do, and I'm going to wear the weight of the sin of the whole world, but it doesn't change anything about the Father, is what he's saying in these moments. And he starts out, Father. Man, I don't feel like we're with me today. Can I just say today, I don't, I don't know what anybody's going through, but it doesn't change anything about who God is. And it may feel today like you're alone. But it doesn't change anything about the fact that you're not alone. 
And it may feel today like God doesn't see you, but it doesn't change anything about the fact that God sees you right where you are. It may feel like you're being destroyed, but it doesn't change anything about the fact that there is a guy who's holding everything together today. Your world is not falling apart. Some things are changing, and they're shifting, and it's not fun, and it hurts, and there's no doubt what God is about to go through is going to hurt. But it doesn't change anything about the Father. So he says, Father, and then he prays like the most honest prayer probably we've ever heard. Actually, a prayer that's for me has been in the past a little bit too honest. There have been times that I've shied away from teaching this because this seems to be like contradictory to everything that I've seen because it says that Jesus is a lamb that's slain before the foundation of the world. It says that that decision was already made. It says that he made the decision not to be created in Bethlehem but to step out of heaven and to come down here with one purpose and one plan to go to the cross. We've talked about he even showed up in the garden at the exact spot in these moments because he knew he was going to the cross and then he's about to pray a very honest prayer to God. He says, Father, I know you love me. I know you care about me. Whatever you decide, it doesn't change anything about that. But then he says these things. He says, if you are willing, take this cup away from me. If you are willing, some people have translated it, if, you, if it be possible, take this cup Away from me. Now the cup he's talking about is the wrath of God. Drinking the full wrath of God. Having the weight of all the sin of the world laid on him. And Jesus prays this. Father, if it be possible, if there is another way, if there's some other plan, take this one away. Can I just say, it's okay to pray honestly with God. God, I don't know if I like this. That's okay. You know that God's a big God? You know that God already knows what you're thinking anyway? But there's not really a point in hiding, trying to hide anything from a God you can't hide anything from. And sometimes when everything's going down, we to each other go, how are you? Oh, I'm good. And what that really is is a fake smile because internally we're being ripped apart and we just don't know if we're allowed to say that in church. So we, ah, good. And sometimes what we do also is with God, we just, hey, thanks for the food. Amen. Afraid to be honest, so what we do is we just back away. Right? God, I, I don't want you to know how I feel right now because I'm, really, I'm just kind of angry a little. <laughs> I don't want to say that. So just, I'm not going to read today. I'm not going to pray today. And if I do pray, I'm just, thanks for waking me up. I don't have anything else to thank you for because I hate my life right now. Um, right? Anybody just, I'm speaking honesty today, Right? It scares us in church sometimes because we want like the, we don't really want honesty. We just, everything's going to be great. Go on. That's not true. Eternally, everything's going to be amazing. But we ain't there yet. 
So Jesus prays this honest prayer, and I love it because he's, again, he's just a little bit away, right? He's just a little bit ahead. And there's some guys that are sitting around listening to this that need to know, like, I need to be able to speak honestly before God. See, because communication is like a real thing. If you just halfway communicate with people, there's not relationship there. So Jesus looks in these moments, and he says to the Father, Father, um, if it be possible, or if you are willing, or whatever translation you want to use, um, take this cup away from me. And we look at that, and we're like, man, is Jesus having second thoughts? Is he second guessing this? No, Jesus is just checking up on the plan of the Father before he goes through with this. I, I guarantee you, he's afraid. How do you know that? Because if somebody was about to put nails in me, I'd be pretty afraid. Like, well, Jesus is God. Yes, he is. He's wrapped in human flesh, and he's got nerves just like us, and he has flesh just like us, and he has bones just like us, and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt worse than anything we've ever experienced. I don't even like when people slap me on the back too hard. (laughs) Jamie Coker. (laughs) It hurts. I don't like it. I don't make Jamie mad because it hurts, (laughs) right? I guarantee you he was afraid about what was going to go down. I guarantee you he dreaded, like, (laughs) I'm going to be ripped apart just like I ripped that bread apart. This is not going to be fun. And he gets down on his knees under the weight of the reality of what's about to happen. And he, he says, Father, he starts off in the place of submission. I'm already down on my knees. I'm bowing because whatever you want to do, I just want you to do it. And then he starts off his prayer, and he says, Father, I know you love me. I know you care about me. I know you you want what's best for me. So I'm going to be honest. If you are willing, I don't want that cup. If it be possible, if there's another way, if you got a different plan that doesn't involve maybe the weight of the sin of the whole world and the nails. Awesome. Well, what do you say after that? Nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. Not what I want, but what you want. Not what I would prefer today, but what you would prefer today. He begins with this submission in bowing to the Father, and he he says, I acknowledge who you are, and I know that even right now, in, in, in all this stuff, you love me. So I'm gonna be honest. And I just prefer you pick a different way. And then he ends with submission to the Father. But it doesn't really matter what I want because I know what you want is best. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. This is the prayer that Jesus prays. And it is a hard prayer. It's a very mature prayer. Actually, it's a prayer so mature, most of us will maybe never say it. 
But man, this is, this is a prayer from a place of I can see who he is through the circumstances. See, because this is not what we would probably pray in these moments, is it? I mean, really, is it? What, what do we pray in these moments? If we get honest with God, what do we pray in these moments? I don't want to go through this. I'm ticked off that I have to go through this. I'm actually, I'm actually angry at you right now, God. And I'm going to fight and I'm going to throw a fit until you let me have what I want. Anybody? Is it just me today? Like, <laughs> I mean, it's hard, but it's real. Because it's hard to pray this prayer when everything's falling apart, isn't it? Like, it's, it's hard to pray this prayer when we know that what God wants may be different from what we want. It's hard to pray this prayer when we know that when we surrender this to God, that God may do something that's completely different from anything that we would have picked. And we're like, hey God, I got it all worked out. I got the plan down here. Like, look, 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 look. I've already wrote it all out in this journal, and this is exactly what I want you to do. So when I pray, I'm going to pray, hey God, thanks for being here today and showing up to my meeting. Come to listen to my TED Talk. We're going to do this, and we're going to do this, 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 and everything's going to be okay. And that would be great if we were God. That would be great if we knew, like, everything that goes down, like, in the whole picture. But see, in reality, we just get this little bitty piece of a picture. And we don't know what God wants to do. And we don't know what God's going to do. So Jesus invites us into a possibility for a different prayer. Why do you think he just went a stone's throw away? He didn't need the disciples for this prayer, by the way. If he, if he didn't intend for us to hear it, he would have just went farther away. But see, here's what Jesus knows. Not only does he know he's about to go through some really difficult times, he knows every guy that's back there behind him is going to go through difficult times. And then, by the way, every one of us is going to go through some difficult times. And that's why he starts off with, hey, if you don't know what to pray, let's just pray this. Pray that you don't run. When stuff gets crazy, here's, here's the prayer we need today. When maybe everything's not so crazy. I know it's going to get nuts in here. So I need you today to forge a faith in me that when everything goes down, I can walk through the fire. When everything in my life's just kind of crumbling around me, I can trust that there's a God who has a path for me and a bridge for me that I'm going to get through this and I'm going to get into better days and I'm going to get into better moments because that's the kind of God you are. Here in the quiet place today, I need you to forge a faith in me that's going to get me through the fire. So maybe today you're like, man, you're, you're hitting all around me. I don't, I don't need any of this. I'm great. Well, that's awesome today. And Jesus is saying to you today, it's not going to be that way forever. It ain't going to be easy forever. I, I love it when it's easy season, don't you? 
and like nothing's going crazy and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. I'm just, man, got a lot of money and everything's going all right and people like me and my job's okay and I'm not worried about anything in my family and health-wise, I'm really good. I'm in the place that I need to be. And what do we do in those places? We're just like, ah, you know, thanks God. I'm gonna go do my thing. We're not storing up for anything, right? But he looks at these guys when everything's calm, right? We've just been chilling. We had dinner with Jesus. It was awesome. We had some amazing bread and some amazing wine, and we're just chilling out in the olive garden today. We're just hanging out, leaning back around the fire. This is awesome. And Jesus is like, no, nope, we're not. Mm-mm. That's not what we're here for. You're here to pray because the next couple hours are about to get nuts, and you need to just not run. You just need to not run. He's not like, pray that God turns you into spiritual champions that win the world to Christ in the easy times, is he? He's like, just pray that when it gets not easy, you stay. God will forge you into the spiritual champions in the other moments. And then Jesus, under the weight of the sin of the whole world, he goes before the Father and he's like, everything is about to get crazy in here. But God, I know who you are. God, I know exactly who you are. I know that today, when everything's about to go crazy, you're still the exact same God you were three days ago when everything was good. I know that today, when I'm about to walk through the biggest fire I've arguably ever been through in my entire life, I know that you're still the God who got me through all those other moments. You're still the God who who was with me the other day when everything was great. You're still the same God. And he starts out by acknowledging that, Father, nothing's changed about you. Maybe everything's changed in my life, but not one thing has changed about you. So let me be real honest with you right now. I don't love this. I don't love this. Anybody there today? Let's just be honest. Anybody? I just, I don't love where I'm at right now. Nobody's honest enough to just raise your hand. I don't love where I'm at right now. I don't love my job. I don't love my circumstances. My life feels like it's falling apart. I don't love the sickness and the, and the darkness that I'm dealing with. I don't love the sin in me. I don't love the, the stuff that's going on at work. I don't love the stuff that's going on at home. I don't love any of it. And nothing's changed about you. Nothing, not one thing has changed about you. So God, today, I don't have to love it at home. If you want to fix that, I'd love for you to fix that. But I'm not going anywhere because nothing's changed about you. God, I don't have to love the situations and the circumstances in my life right now. I I don't have to love that. And I can be honest about that when somebody, how are you doing? I'm struggling. I'm hurting. But I got a father. And it'll be okay.
And how do you how do you how do you hope in what you're going through right now? Because my hope's not in what I'm going through right now. I got a daddy. And he loves me. How do, how do you know that? Because he's not changed. He loved me the other day. It's just not how it works. He didn't just take his eyes off me. I know, I know what it looks like. And then sometimes I struggle with God. Are you even listening? But I know he's listening. Because he doesn't change. He's always the same. The, the God that loved me yesterday that I was saying father to just a couple days ago when everything was okay, he's still the same father today. And he still loves me today. And he's not left me today. And I've got a word that says he's, got, he's a friend that will stick closer than a brother. So even when they fail, man, I've got, I've got him. God that says he will never leave me or listen to this. This is amazing. Or forsake me. He's, he's, he's not going anywhere, but he's not, he's, he's not taking his hands off either. So I'm not trusting in today what it feels like. I'm going to need you to amen that. I'm not trusting in today what it feels like. Because feelings, they shift, and they're not solid. I'm trusting in something else. I'm going to have to anchor myself deep in the character of God who cares for me. And today, I can come and I can honestly, because His Word says I can, cast my cares on Him. I don't have to pretend like I don't care today, thank God. I can cast my cares on Him. Here's why. Because He today, even in this, cares for me. And if that's true today, if that's true today, if I, if I do have a God that says, I'm working all things together for your good, even this thing, I'm working it together for your good, then that is the moment we can get in the place of possibility. In the position that says, you know what, God, I can see beyond today. I can see beyond these moments. I can see beyond the weight of this thing. And I can get in the place of power. And I can get down before God. And I can submit to whatever he has for me today. And I can be honest and I can say, Father, I don't want to do this. But in the moment where we see who God is, we got to follow that up with, but you know more than me. And today it's not about my will. So God, you just don't worry about what I want. My plan that I made, I'm going to throw that in the garbage can because it's probably going to get something messed up anyway. I'm going to put my trust in your will. So today, not my will, Father, but yours be done. That's a risky prayer today, isn't it? But I just want to ask you today, what better hands could it be in? Like, what's the other option? You want to walk in that fire alone or you want to walk in that fire with somebody who will walk out with you? 
you want to walk through that valley on your own or you want to get behind the one that already said he's going to lead you through it. So I know for some of us today, you're like, everything's good, Brad. I don't know what the deal is, but maybe for the rest of us real people today. I just want to invite us into this place of possibility. This position of power where we can recognize the character of God and then submit to the will of God. That for some of us today who were honest enough to raise our hand and say, you know what, I don't, I don't really like any of this. That today we could come before God and, and really just before God's people and say, maybe somebody else needs me to just pray this a stone's throw away. And for some of us today, we would come and we would get on our knees before God and we would submit and we would start out by praying, God, I know who you are. God, I know who you are. I know today that you are a father who loves me, that loves me uncontrollably and unconditionally, that today my circumstances, they don't change a thing about that. I know, Jesus, that you're still the God who left heaven for me, and my circumstances, they don't change a thing about that. I know, God, that you have promises in your word that say you're never going to leave me, you're never going to forsake me, you're never going to go away, you're never going to turn your eyes from me, that you are with me, and you are for me, and you are fighting for me, and my circumstances today, God, don't change a thing about that. So with that being said today, I don't love this situation. I don't love it. I don't don't love what's going on around me today. I don't love what's going on in my life today. I don't love any of that. But God, I believe today that you have a plan. Because you always have a plan. I believe, God, today that this comes with a purpose because you always have a purpose. And God, today I'm okay with whatever you decide. So not my will today, Father, because who cares about my will? But yours be done. It says in the next few verses that Jesus was ministered to in that moment by an angel. That he was still kind of in the fight, right? Because it says that he was in such agony, he sweat great drops of blood. But what I love about it is it doesn't just stop there. We didn't just end with Jesus is in agony. We ended with Jesus got up. Jesus got up and he got up under this resolve 
now that's been forged in this hope that this is the plan of God. This is the plan of the Father who loves me. And if this is His plan, I'm doing it. In these moments, Jesus is going to go to the cross. I know for some of us, maybe we hope our story ends a different way than that, and maybe it will, but I just want you to hear today that Jesus prayed this prayer and it didn't change a thing. He still went to the cross. He still bled and died. But he went there in the full assurance that, man, this is what God wants and God's not going to waste it. I just want you to know today and hear God didn't waste it. Jesus did go to the cross. God didn't even spare God from suffering. But in that moment, as Jesus bled and died and he was murdered and he did stop breathing, God was doing a thing. He was saving you and me, he was saving the world. Jesus gave his life so I could have life. Jesus laid his life down so you could take life up. Because God is faithful and he does what he says he's going to do. And today I just want you to hear because maybe some of us think this is the special recipe for God changing our situation. If he doesn't. If he doesn't, he still knows what he's doing. And he's still good. He's still got a plan and a purpose, and he's going to use it. Because Jesus, he doesn't waste a thing.